You're listening to Period Story, the podcast where we get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods. We chat with women about their period story, their first period, and their journey ever since, and we open up a conversation to help break taboos and stigmas around menstruation. I'm your host, Lanise Brothers. I'm a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. Welcome to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Lauren Derrett, who is a mother of a public speaker, a published author, podcast host, and founder of Wear Em Out Reusable Period Pads. Lauren is a lover of all things female empowerment and is sharing her message via her podcast, periodical, and social media, that any change we can make individually to help make our personal and planetary health is a change worth considering. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> thanks for having me on, Lenise. Lovely yeah, to be thanks, here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. So let's start off by getting into the story of your first period. Can you share with us what happened? Oh, my God. Do you know what? I'm one of eight children. And I have three older sisters and I still had no idea what was going to happen or when it was going to happen. Or I was so ill-equipped for it. And what I remember, this is really weird. I don't remember the blood. I don't remember any kind of physical symptoms. The only thing that stays with me, bearing in mind I'm 45 now, so it was quite a while ago, 30 years, because um, I was 15. The thing that has stuck with me the most is that I remember going into the bathroom and thinking, Jesus, what do I do with this? I can't see the blood in my head. But anyway, I remember there being some tampons in the cupboard under the sink. And I mean, your first experience with a period and going straight in for a tampon is pretty brave, I'd say. But it was all I could find. There was no pad. So I got the instructions out. I navigated this tampon in and I, I felt as smug as hell because now not only was I a woman, like I'd caught up with all my friends, but I'd also managed to get this tampon in, which meant I was really grown up. And I just, I, I, it was just a feeling of, I felt very alone, to be honest, but because I didn't feel like I could tell anyone or share it with anyone. And I just felt, had to navigate it myself. But it was a real moment of crossing over and a real moment of, I'm now part of their gang. I suppose my older sisters, that would have been. And my friends, because they all started really early and I started relatively late. So it was that moment of, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a positive thing but I did feel really lonely and isolated it was a secret that I kept which felt a bit ick why do you think you kept it as a secret shame I think just embarrassment I'm a very um I'm a very lone creature anyway so which is weird now because I will tell anybody anything I'm not ashamed of anything anymore but um I just cut no we didn't talk about it we just there wasn't a conversation around it there wasn't a segue to me talking about it it was just you just tidy it up and get on with your day it wasn't ever something discussed or around my mates jokingly but I'd already pretended I'd come on about three years before I did just to be part of it (laughs) (laughs) so there was no big reveal (laughs) you mentioned the word shame why where do you think that shame came from a lack of knowledge a lack of understanding a lack of conversation like these. Thank you so much for holding this podcast because my daughter is going to be listening whether she likes it or not. Um, there's, there was not enough conversation around it. Um, the representation, you know, back then there wasn't even adverts that I remember. 
you know, all these new funky adverts with the hot pants and the DJ in and all that, none of that was available back then. It was really shrouded in mystery. And when it's something like that, you know, you have to assume there's shame to be applied to that because why is nobody talking about it? So I think it's just, uh, it was just a really natural thing that it must be shameful because nobody talks about it. You mentioned that you you put in a tampon the first mm, time you got your mm. period, which is like amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hardcore now looking back. Yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> and so how, if you didn't talk about it with your sisters or your friends, how did you learn about, you know, kind of the admin of menstrual health? From that tampon leaflet, really. Um, thinking back to our sex ed classes, which were, which is minimal, let's say. I remember there being a banana representing an erect penis for us to put a condom on. I remember that. I do not remember any education around periods at all. Um, like I said, my friends used to joke about it. I had one friend who made up a song about it that was just hilarious. And we used to just sing it all the time. And I played along like, yeah, I was part of that gang, although I wasn't. And I had another friend who used to always talk about her pubes being stuck to the pad. She was like, oh God, my pubes got stuck to my pad again. So I heard that and I started saying that. I hadn't even got my period at that point. But this was kind of the education that I had, like a song about um, Lily of the Valley, Dr. White's came along. It was like all the branding back then was that. So she took all the brands of the menstrual products and created this little ditty about it that we used to sing. And, and then all the only other association I knew about periods was, oh, I've got a bit of a cramping and my pubes are getting stuck. Do you know what, Lenise, when my friend was saying that, I didn't even have pubes. I was a late developer, but I would be walking around going, oh God, my pubes are stuck to my pad as if, because that was the education that I had. That's what happened when you have your period. That's what you talk about. But beyond that, I literally, I've racked my brain ahead of this podcast and I don't remember ever having a conversation about it or, or knowing anything about it other than the box of Tampax in the, in the bathroom cabinet. That was it. That was my education. It's that's shocking. I think that's quite common. I hear that a lot. You know, they women they read what's on the back of the pack of sanitary mm. towels or mm. in the box of the leaflet and the box of tampons, and then that's it. There's no conversation. Yeah. And what about as you got older? Did things change, or did you did you just go on the knowledge that you had gained from when you were a teenager? Yeah, I kind of just learned to just facilitate it once a month and that's it it was just like oh it's here deal with it get over it and and it was just really a separate part of my being I didn't consider it part of me it was just an inconvenience that would just rock up every month do its thing and then leave but I didn't have any understanding around what it was for I mean obviously I knew actually I don't think I did know that it was linked to having babies actually if I'm honest um, it just came and went and it was just one of those things swimming got a bit trickier but it was it's not until I'm older now and I think one of the biggest impacts for me about learning about this stuff and getting fully involved in it was my daughter having my daughter so I've got a 15 year old daughter now so around the time that I got my period and I knew that she had to have a better education than me around it because it's only me and her she's got three brothers and she lives with her dad half the week so I knew that she had to be really well equipped um, to be able to deal with it because she wasn't going to go to the bathroom cabinet and find times, you know. So I, I found it was really important that she had a better education and that she understood the power of it and that she, what I do now is kind of like make, make allowances for your cycle and for, the, for what your body actually needs during the month, not just deal with the blood and get on with it. Um, so yeah, 
from her, her she's leading me really she's you know i'm looking at her thinking what does she need which is sad because we never consider what do we need mm-hmm. you know it's it's taken my daughter for me to wake up to the fact that we you know i don't want her to feel shame around it i don't want her to feel that she can't ask me anything and so yeah i've been doing the reading for her really just kind of <laughs> and, and did you start having this conversation when she got her first first period or was before this that before? I've always been yeah I've always been really open about it um I think as women we have a personal duty to all the women in our lives I really do we all know that women get the real rough end of the stick we all know that we're living under the patriarchy which is a whole other podcast and I think it's we're duty bound as women to educate and support each other through all the feminist issues periods being one of them because if you look out into the wider world you're going to get a very male slant on it and Mm. that's what happened to me that's where the shame sits that's where the um where you feel kind of lesser of a person when actually it's a bloody powerful force that if you use it right can you know really propel you as a person but if you look out to the wider world and look to the the patriarchal state as to what periods are and why we have them, then you're kind of scuppering yourself. So I do feel that as women, we have a duty to our sisters, our children, our friends to make this a a normal conversation and share our knowledge, which is what you're doing perfectly. I applaud you. (laughs) (laughs) And and do you think that the, so you mentioned the shame around your period when you were a teenager. Do you think that your daughter feels the similar feelings with the conversation with her friends or has that totally changed? I think there's still an element of um, secrecy around it. I do. I mean, uh, they're much more liberal than I ever was at that age for sure around these topics, but it's still such a personal experience. You've got to want to kind of go there to share it on the level that it's actually that you're living with. Um, because like me, you can pretend your pubes are getting stuck to your pad, but that's not really what's going on. So I wouldn't know how deeply she shares with her friends. I know they're very open. I know with me, she's very open with me, but it doesn't come easy to her. You know, I think it's, she's, she's open with me because that's what I promote and because I create a space where she feels safe enough to start opening. But I think as a 15 year old girl, often it can feel, it can still feel like you're exposing too much of yourself, that vulnerability um and again as us as as olders as the olders women we need to create that space for our young girls to be able to explore and to converse and to share but i don't think it's her natural state to be honest i think it's a lot of me not forcing the issue but opening the the conversations and kind of backing her into a bit of a corner with it so that she does share because the more you share the easier it becomes this is the something Mm. i've certainly learned through life so it's, it's kind of like eking it out of them a little bit and then say, look, the world didn't stop turning. Let's keep this conversation going. Mm. So, yeah, I think she, she kind of begrudgingly open. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's where we all start, right? Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to know that you're safe and that safety takes time to build. So let's keep building on it. So the conversations, you're, you're, the ongoing conversations you're having with your daughter and the way that you feel about um, what you know about your period now, what do you wish you could change about your experience as a teenager as, with regards to your period? I think I just wish I knew that th- this, is, this, this is the game changer, that your period isn't just for seven days a month. You know, like I said, we compartmentalise this week and everything changes in that week. But actually, it's happening every single day of the month. There are shifts. There are hormonal shifts. Your body is changing. It's 
now I've got to the point where I can tell when I'm ovulating just by the physicalities of my body or where my hormones are or if I'm a bit hotter or if I'm feeling a bit sexy uh, which is only a couple of days a month, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, I can tell from my physical symptoms and my emotional state where I am in my cycle. And when you lock that stuff down or when you become aware of those times, you can really use every single day of the month um, to propel you, like I said, rather than just locking yourself down for one week of the month and struggling through the rest, not knowing why you're feeling X, Y, Z, but just feeling grotty. It is kind of a superpower. And I've spoken to a lot of women who are doing the cycling and the charting now where they're actually, you know, creating their month's work around their cycle and becoming much more powerful because of it. I wish, I wish they talked about things like that. I wish it wasn't just a rag week. You know, when I was growing up, it was rag week. That was it. Not actually, no, you've got a whole month where you can fully utilize every day of your cycle and work with it and support it rather than just dread that one week a month where you've got to go underground and hate everyone. You know, I think we need to talk more about the power in it. Yeah, I think that it's so, what you're saying is so interesting. And this this idea of it being a superpower and the, mm. you know, you being able to know how you, your body changes, your mental state changes throughout your cycle and kind of not just thinking about your menstrual cycle as just period mm -hmm. uh, it's more than that and you know you mentioned how you feel, you know exactly when you're ovulating mm. uh, and the power in that can you give us some examples of how you might structure your life around the different um, feelings that you have during mm. each phase of your cycle I think firstly you've got to start charting and you've got to start being aware of it um the re I will get to that, but the reason why this is so important, this charting and this acknowledging every day of your cycle is because the, the current climate would have us believe that we are weak and that our periods weaken us. We have to change that story. We have to take the power. Now, this sounds real like my feminist rant. It's not about that, but it's honest. We have to start looking at ourselves as powerful humans. And the, the one thing that we've got above everybody else is the fact that we have these cycles. Um, and we need to rewrite that, that, that whole internal monologue that we've got going on, that we are, oh, God, it's shit being a woman. Oh, God, the curse. Every time we... Sorry. I live in the ghetto, by the way. Every time we yeah. we give power to those stories where we are the underdog and, you know, FML, oh, shit being a woman, I'm coming back as a man. Every time we reiterate those stories, we give them power and we become the victims. And actually what we need to do is use that and rise above it and say, do you know what, actually, fuck you, patriarchy, because, you know, I, I bleed, I can create, I can do all of this stuff. But what I will get back to you. So what was your original question was, how do I know the signs? Yeah. Um, well, I know that the week leading up to my period, I know that I have to stop. The overwhelm becomes extreme. Um, I know that I can't book a lot of stuff in. My, I, I'm an emotional wreck. I'm very emotional around that time. So I have to be very, very careful with my energy because I'm a natural empath anyway. And when you've got a really heightened state of emotions as an empath, it can take you down. So I'm I'm really aware of the week leading up to my period that I have to really up my self-care game, that I have to be really choosy whose energies I'm in because if it's a negative energy, it will take me down. I have to ground. I literally have to stop because I just, otherwise I lose myself for three days in just a heat. Um, once my period comes, the relief, I get that like, oh, 
it's here. My hormones are shifting again. I'm feeling a lot brighter. I feel much stronger. My brain feels clearer. Um, but I know that that week leading up not to plan too much stuff in because I cannot cope. And it's okay to say that because the rest of the month I'm kicking it. So, you know, one week a month, I have to just be really mindful of my energy and energies that I'm absorbing from others. How long did it take for you to acknowledge the shift in your energy? Do you know what? I've only just started noticing this about a year ago. That's the tragic thing. I've wasted so much of my adult life. I'm hitting perimenopause now. So all this newfound knowledge is going to be wasted on me. (laughs) But like I said, I'm passing it to my daughter. I can see her cycle. I can see her mood change. I can see her energy shift and I can help support her through it. So the other day she had massive overwhelm. She was crying. She didn't know why. She was like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm like, you don't need to know why. Just allow it to happen. Um, you know, and I said to her, what I do in the shower when I feel like that, I get in the shower in the morning and I, I, it sounds a bit weird, but I touch my whole body, reconnect with my body, kind of like absorb my own energies. I literally, I'm like, I am safe. This is me. This is real. Because when you're in that overwhelm and you're stuck in Instagram or whatever, and the whole world is in your head, you need to bring it back to you as one single human being. And I tell her to do that. And she said, I said, how are you getting on with that shower thing? And she was like, I've been looking in the mirror every day, at like my whole body and just saying, this is you, you are safe. And that's what we can pass on. And it's a shame that I've only learned that in the last year. But I think it's only just becoming available, so accessible now that you didn't see this stuff before. Amazing women like you and Maisie Hill and um, talking about period cycles. Who else is there? Women with sparkle. She's an amazing advocate for it all. It's so accessible to all different people now that different people are listening and are absorbing it. And for the younger generation, whatever we learn, just feed it back to them so they've got it early doors, you know? I think that's such a powerful gift that you gave to your daughter, you know, allowing her the the knowledge that it's okay to connect with your body. And because mm. I think, you know, thinking about to when I was a teenager, I didn't, there was no connection with my body. I hated my body. And to have, to know, have something like that, where it's just about even just looking in the mirror and saying, this is you, this is, you were safe. Mm-hmm. I think, wow, I just, it gives me chills thinking about it. And just going back to what you were saying about your energy and um, how you've been able to connect with it. Do you ever feel like you resist this, this time of either slowing down or on the other side, thinking about when you're ovulating, do you, where your energy is at its highest? Do you feel like you feel like you need to just fit everything in to mm-hmm. that week. Do you know what? I'm human and sometimes life is busy around that week where I've got nothing to give. I just have to really up the self-care. I just mm-hmm. really have to up the self-care. Everybody has one minute a day where they can lay flat on the floor. And actually Susie Reddin, who wrote The Self-Care Revolution, I had her on a podcast once and she said to me, everybody has a minute where they can lay on the floor and say, for now, the world can wait. And that's for one minute a day, the world can wait. You know, it's about those tiny moments of joy that Live360 talks about, but the tiny, finding your tiny moments of joy and maximizing your self-care where you can. And I'm not talking about hot baths. I think we're well beyond knowing that self-care is not just about a bloody bath Mm. with petals in it. I'm talking about making a nice cup of tea and just sitting in silence. Uh, My favorite mug, you know, the most simplistic act of self-care can still have some kind of impact. But when I'm in that slow week and I've got a load of stuff booked on, I have to do it. 
I still have a life to, to, to live out, but you also have to just be really mindful of lay, just calming down when you can. The ovulation thing, yes, I do feel like when I'm in my sort of spring summer cycles, um, I know I'm so creative then that I do try and bulk load a load of work content and stuff because I know that it's going to dwindle out, which does also bring with it a frustration. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not like the biggest lover of the whole cycles all of the time. Sometimes I'm like, sake, I just, I don't want, I can't afford to crash right now. <laughs> I'm too busy. I can't afford to have winter. I've got to keep going. And it can become a bit of, like you say, and the resistance, not so much resistance, but frustration mm. that I can't just keep charging ahead 24, seven, 30 days a month, you know, that I do have to allow myself time out. But you know what, what we're going to do, it is what it is. We have to expect it. We have to acknowledge it. We have to respect it. And yeah, it's just, it's not going anywhere, babe. It's just like work <laughs> with it. Don't work against it. There's no point. It's futile. <laughs> I, and I think it, it's, it is really powerful. And I think we're, you know, we, would, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have, especially knowing that the culture that we live in really uh, puts a lot of emphasis on this work, 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 you mm -hmm. know, gr the grind, the entrepreneur grind. And so taking a different perspective on that, there's going to be resistance, not only from probably inside yourself, but others like saying, well, why aren't you working right now? You know, mm -hmm. capitalism demands it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Not just capitalism, feminism demands it actually, you know, yeah feminisms feminists we all are fighting to have it all i question whether i want it all actually i'm not sure that i do want it all i think i'm quite okay just having bits of it because <laughs> to, to be what 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 is expected of us as women is pretty unachievable when you can factor in our cycles you know we cannot be on it all day every day we can't and actually um i use the flow the flow app it's an app called flow and on there they you can give them your partner's email address this is the best piece of advice i can give to anyone they give your part you give your partner's email address okay and they work with the cycles and they will email your partner where you are in your cycle and how best they can navigate that and that has been an absolute relationship game changer one in that he completely understands it's non-biased information it's not me Shad, but i've got my period be nice to me you know, it's, it's proper education uh, for him and non-biased. So he knows it's not me just pulling on him. And secondly, for me to be validated in my feelings, you know, because we can quite often dumb it down and go, for God's sake, I've got to take a day off work because my period, it sounds ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But actually it validates what you're feeling. It's like, yeah, of course you feel tired. Your body is working overtime right now trying to release these eggs and do all what it needs to be doing. Your uterus is twice the size. You're lugging that round. You know, that's why your belly feels like it's exploding. Um, but it validates everything that you're feeling, which gives you then the permission to say, okay, this is why I'm feeling like this. It's okay for me to stop or slow down. But, but the genius, I mean, the other day I was totally woman down. I spent the whole day on the sofa. I was fortunate enough that I could just block out everything, spent the day on the sofa eating digestives, and, you know, my husband comes home and he's, he's gingerly around me because he knows something's going on miss. And I just, he said something, I snapped at him and he was like, geez, are you okay? I was like, did you not get your email? You know, and, and that's it. <laughs> the conversation could end there then because he's like, I'll just go and check my emails now. You know, and it gives them a really good understanding. So for a relationship, it's genius in I, all I, areas. I think that, I think that's really interesting. And, um, you know, I love the idea of, 
you know, the email being Mm. sent to the partner. But the other thing I wonder is sometimes it can be, it can lead to the area where we, that creates expectations around behaviors. So like we are supposed to be moody cows before we get our period. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, we got the, I got the email. So, you know, you've, you've just got your period. So I'm just going to watch what I say around you. And some of the work that I do is really focused around the fact that, you know, you don't have to feel like that. You don't have to be a moody cow. Yes, your energy might, <laughs> dip, but it's not necessarily um, inevitable. So I think it's, that's a really fascinating way of getting, getting your partner uh, have, to have him have a greater understanding mm-hmm. of what's going on with you and your cycle. But sometimes what I see, and I've seen this in workshops that I've given, is this expectation of, I'm supposed to be in pain, I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. moody, and that's just the way it is because Mm. I am a woman and I have a... Mm, Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And I'm just sitting here wondering if, and actually sometimes I do use it as an excuse. I may not even be feeling those things, you know? And especially with him, because I'll just be like, bloody men. You don't have to deal with this, you know, and I, I do ham it up a bit sometimes, that's for sure. And I'll be like, you need to go and get me a Big Mac because I feel really rubbish. It does also. Yeah, you're right. Oh, well, that's giving me a new slant on it now for next month. Thank you. Although, <laughs> let's not tell him. Can we not tell him, please? Because I quite like the uh, martyrdom sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you use the flow app. Mm. Um, as part of your kind of what I call menstrual health admin. Mm. Are there any other things that you use as part of your menstrual health admin that you'd like to share? Um, to be honest, no. I just, I'm, I'm reading Maisie Hill's book. I'm just getting involved, I think. Just read whatever you can. Follow the accounts that, I mean, your account is amazing. You know that I love what you do. Your little tiles about nutrition, you know, just just absorb where you can information where you can there's so much accessible information to us now regarding our menstrual cycle um podcasts says well this one you know there's loads of amazing podcasts around menstruation yeah just find those people and educate yourself and and be willing to to listen to your what's going on with you and like you say it might not fit it's not one fit for all is it right we all do it differently definitely some kind of charting However you choose to do that. There's loads and loads of different apps out there. I know there's like drawings you can do, mindfulness colouring-ins and stuff like this. But, but number one is charts. Chart your mood. Chart your, your discharge. Chart your sex, your libido. You know, chart your food. Everything just to get an idea of who you are and how your body's function. But I like to keep it basic, babe. I'm Instagram and Flow app. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so is there, is there anything else that you'd like to share with your listen, our listeners about what you've learned about your period or, um, what you, you, what else you want to know about your period? Well, do you know what? And it's an obvious one the, what I really want to have the conversation and women to be conversing about is the disposable uh, menstrual products. This is obviously going to come up in this podcast. I am just about to launch my reusables. Um, since I have started the process of having my reusables design, they're made in the UK, by the way. Um, they're manufactured in the UK by a factory. I've got a designer who's, we've labored over the design for the last nine months and we're just about ready to order the first lot. Um, and the research that I've done in that time 
about the effects of disposables is horrifying. Horrifying, not only to the planet, which is where I started. I was all about the landfill and, you know, oh my God, there's like in the UK alone per year, 200,000 tonnes of menstrual waste currently sitting in your landfill, which when you consider the weight of a tampon or a pad, that's a huge mass of substance sitting in landfill emitting into the atmosphere. And they take 500 to 800 years to decompose. I mean, those figures alone are enough to make you think, Jesus, what we're we doing, four carrier bags per period pad. If you are not using carrier bags with your supermarket shop because you can't bear the guilt, really consider that there are four carrier bags worth of plastic in your sanitary pads, the current disposables. The other option, of course, is the organics that um, biodegrade in 12 to 18 months and don't have all the chemicals. But we need to talk about these chemicals, which are, there's up to 3,000 chemicals in disposable products. There are microplastics being absorbed in our bodies through our vulvas and vaginas. Um, and we, we, we're taking them in as, an, as a chemical disruptor into our endocrine system, which I know you know about. Um, and that is affecting our physical, personal feminine health. It is a massive, massive issue that we need to start looking at alternatives around. Now, I'm not like, buy my pad, buy my pad, buy my pad. My message is have the conversation with women, make informed choices. If you are happy to use those disposable products and you can get your head around all of that, knock yourself out, my darling. I don't judge. This is your life. But if you're open to the idea of looking for alternatives, menstrual cups are not as scary as they seem. Uh, there's an Instagram account called put a cup in it, which is completely non-biased advice in all cups. And in fact, my daughter done their little quiz and got herself a cup and she bloody loves it. Um, there's obviously the period pants and the reusable pads, which I'm bringing out, by the way, uh, wear them out pads, by the way. Um, but please, please, please educate yourself on what menstrual products you're using. The impact that that's having on your body, sitting on those chemicals and those plastics every single month for up to seven days is having a detrimental effect on your feminine health. There's no two ways about it. And also cocking up the planet big time so you know your personal responsibility on the environment as well but yeah i think that's that's a conversation i really want being shared mm. we've got to stop looking away now we've got to stop just trusting the big disposable brands and actually start saying what's best for me on a personal level so yeah and i think what you're doing is amazing but you already know that Thank and you. i think this is such an interesting angle to get get people thinking more about what they use because before it was it was about you try these different period products um because they're better for their for your menstrual health and they are mm -hmm. but i think the environmental angle is so interesting and i think actually that has the um has the chance of getting more more women interested or people mm -hmm. with a period interested in shifting what they use because when you put it like that the amount of products that are sitting in landfills mm -hmm. the amount of tampons that women they still flush them down the toilet yeah and my God, you don't say, flush don't flush yeah don't flush 4.8 pieces of menstrual waste are being found in up to 100 meters of beaches being cleaned every 100 meters of beaches there are 4.8 pieces of menstrual waste being washed up and that's because people are still flushing and not only the beach issue but actually that means that it's getting into our water systems that is getting into our waterways your water bills are paying to empty the freaking sewers of all the menstrual waste like let's just stop flushing don't do it but i'm so surprised how many women still don't know that innocently 
in a completely non-judgmental way because the information isn't being shared. It's a little line on the bloody tampox, Tampax box. Oh, by the way, don't flush. You know, that should be the very first thing. Toxic shock syndrome and do not flush. There's your two mm. pieces of information that you're going to make informed choice around. So, yeah, don't say don't flush it because that's costing us all a fortune in the old Thames waterways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not to mention, you know, it, the water needs to be cleaned, all the chemicals exactly. and the tampon. And even women flushing pads, which I can't mm. believe. And, you know, all of these have an impact, a health impact and an environmental impact. Mm -hmm. So I think this is such a great angle to get women thinking about what they're using in, in their bodies, on their bodies, and then actually having this being a starting point for them to think about the other products that they're using. And, yeah. you know, all of this whole area is, I find it so fascinating because I've seen the shift from it being very hippie, the products mm -hmm. not being very good, you know, using crocheted, um, uh, crocheted <laughs> pads, which, you yeah. know, more power to you, yeah, to yeah, yeah. it being more kind of, I call it more professionalized, you know, mm -hmm. sleek, better mm -hmm. options, more absorbent options, mm -hmm. you know, makeup is better, skincare is better in this whole natural and green space. Mm -hmm. So, I'm really excited about what you're doing and I'm really excited about the changes um, that are happening in this area. Um, Me too. So if, where can listeners find out more about you if they want to order pads? Um, so we're, we're doing a 10% off your first order, which is a great saving because, you know, we need to be honest and realistic as well. There is an initial outlay to this change. But it's about prioritising, looking at your life as a whole and prioritising and making shifts where you can. And like I said, I think your menstrual waste is one of the biggest environmental and physical shifts that you can make. I therefore think it's worth investing in. But just to help you out, yeah, 10% off your first order if you go to the website, which is just wearemout.co.uk, M-E-M, -E so wear E-M out. Um, and I'm all over the socials on at where I'm out pads. So come and find them. My podcast is periodical and that is on iTunes, Spotify, podcast, Acast, Podbean and Acast. Um, just come and talk to me. I'm open for any conversation. No question is too stupid. And I'm not going to give you a hard sales pitch. I just want women to chat about these topics and then make their decisions beyond that. It's entirely up to them. No, no shame, babe. No shame. No shame, no judgment. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Who am I to judge? <laughs> Who are any of us to judge? Exactly. But thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I've really loved chatting to you. You're um, so welcome. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, thank Denise. You. Thank you to today's guest and to you for taking the time out of your day to listen to Period Story. Music is Modern Jazz Samba by Kevin McLeod. You can find show notes and links to things mentioned on this episode on www.periodstorypod.com. If you love this episode, then it would mean so much if you could head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Thank you, and see you next week.